Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host today, and I'm excited to get you and introduce you all to our guest today. But before we do that, let me start by sharing our community's preamble. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truths, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize that there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, feel be angry, or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today dissipate one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment, one day at a time. Esther and Jerry Hicks call it the science of deliberation, and we call it the answer to all of our prayers. So we're going to continue our journey today by having Katie Martin on the show from Ontario, Canada. Is that right, Katie? Yes, that is correct. Thank you so much for being with us. We're happy to have you. I'm so glad to be here. So I'm going to, a little bit about you, and then you can elaborate on that. You have two children, a two-year-old and a four-year-old, correct? Yes, yes. And your son, the four-year-old's undiagnosed awaiting his diagnosis? Yes, for about three years now. Long process. Is that typical for Canada that it's a long process or has it just been your particular journey? It could take up to, I know a friend and it's taken her up to over 10 years to get her son diagnosed in Canada. And it's it's an extremely long wait list. It's just a lot of patience and perseverance and working with the organizations to help with the resources that are available before a child is diagnosed. And why do you think that is? Is it due to limited resources and they want to make sure that they're not wasting it on people who don't need it or why such a long process to support? I believe that it's because people are finally bringing to light. There's been more cases actively found today in 2022 than there has been in the last 10 years. So I believe that it's due to numbers, due to how many people are realizing that their son or daughter may potentially be autistic. It's a long process also, all the different types of resources and all the different types of workers. 
I hear that. I actually wonder that all the time because I am so fortunate for the services that my children receive. And with one in 60 kids being born on the spectrum, I don't know where these resources are going to come from. My kids both have one-on-ones and both my parents were teachers. And I already know that educators are underpaid. So where are you going to get more money for double and triple and quadruple the number of teachers. Yes. Underfunding is definitely a big issue too. Another thing. So you started uh, having kids fairly young. Yes. I turned 20 actually. So I went into active labor on my 20th birthday. (laughs) Got it. I had had him in the evening, November 24th, 2017. And when did you see signs that something didn't look the way you thought it was supposed to look. It was about uh, 10 months to a year. He wasn't making eye contact. He wasn't saying mommy. He wasn't acknowledging his name. Uh, He would play very independently. Didn't really like loud noises or too much stimulation or not enough stimulation. Those were like the biggest signs. And uh, so we brought him in to do some hearing tests his hearing was fine. He was just a typical one-year-old that just didn't want to listen in that sense. But yeah. he was very bright, though, and very just very independent at an early age. And I thought that was really strange. So we started delving in, or I started delving into resources in the city at the time. I was living in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, to understand what could be potential causes for why he isn't showing like the typical signs of what a one-year-old should like be at. You know what I mean? The level yeah. that it should be at. Yeah. Totally. And so you had a significant other at the time. How were things for both of you before your child came? It was stressful. Like I moved 27 hours and we were living in Brampton at first. He worked a lot, so I was alone a lot at the in the third trimester. But overall, it was like we had ups and downs and just a typical relationship. You know, there was a, there was a big age difference also. So I think that had a lot to do with uh, butting heads and not truly understanding one another. So it made it difficult a lot of the time. And then was separation inevitable or did the seeing your child develop in ways that you thought wouldn't happen be a big catalyst for the relationship kind of breaking up so like for me the second child that had special needs was the Mm -hmm. straw that broke the camel's back and then chaos ensued do you feel that that was a part of your separation or were you just moving that direction anyway I believe both. I believe there was potential separation even before realizing the signs of our son, Uh, but it definitely, he took it way harder than I did. And he was not present after we had gotten an assessment when he was one. It really broke him apart and he just felt like his son would never be able to live his life independently if that makes sense. So it it definitely was a big uh, barrier. And like I would remind him, like, he's always going to be our son. Like, 
he's still the boy I gave birth to that he's overall amazing to this day. And he always has been. It never, in my heart, nothing changed. It did take a while to accept what was happening. I think I had like a epiphany last year that, no, this boy is amazing and he's going to do amazing things. And the knowledge he already knows at four years old is phenomenal. Like I, like his spelling and just the way that he does things that make you wonder what is going on in his mind. You know, every day is just something different and something new and makes me really grateful to have him in my life and his baby sister who's super supportive and loves him a lot too. And Do you mind if I ask, is the dad still in the picture at all? No, he is not in the picture. It's been two years now due to some serious issues that I'm not sure if I should talk about or not, but whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah. It was just a violent situation. So I'm sorry. Yeah. It it made me wake up to, you know, the, the capabilities I was able to do alone. Being a single parent today has made me stronger and more aware and more present for my kids or trying to be present. I can't say that I'm present all the time. I have been trying my best every day and, you know, it's amazing when life adversity pushes us to the edge and we have a choice to kind of either capture some enlightenment or jump. And I can't imagine for you, I mean, your early 20s. Yes. I mean, I had trouble being just early in 20 myself. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then children and a significant other and separation and more, as you alluded to, how did it not... I mean, did it get really, really, really dark? It definitely did. I think the last year was probably the worst for me. I was pretty much just walking through life like a zombie. I'm not even quite sure how I did it, but I knew that something inside of me couldn't give up on my kids, that I was always going to be there for them no matter what, no matter how hard it got. There's always going to be a mess and you got to bless the mess. That's a big thing I constantly remind myself every day is that the dishes are always going to be in the sink, the floor, there's always going to be crumbs on the floor, especially at these ages, two and four. Oh my goodness. Even the past week. I mean, even last night, <laughs> just those little, just from morning, noon to night, it just seems like it's never going to end, but just yeah. continuing to have faith in yourself and knowing that you're grounded, you're here for them. You're continuing to try to stay present. And if you can't, you still find a way to do it. You still find a way to be there. Even if you feel like you're not doing the best that you can do, you're still doing it. And that that, show, like, that shows a lot of uh, dedication and the overall love that we have for our kids. It's yeah. just... It's an amazing strength. I admire you. My life got super dark at 40, you know, late 30s, early 40s. So Mm -hmm. supposedly I'm supposed to have, you know, 19 more years of emotional (laughs) maturity and things like that. And you seem present right now. How did you make it through? Did you have 
some support people in your life? Did you find, did God really? come and present himself to you or herself to you in person? What happened? How'd you make it? Moving back here really opened my eyes to the support and love I did have. And just showing me that it's in numbers. Like it takes a community to raise children. You can't do it by yourself. And for the ones that had to do it alone, which I was one of those people, I really thrived on breathing exercises and taking five minutes to just be and not to worry and not to stress. Even if they're crying, just breathe and just be because that little short time will just reset yourself and make you feel a little less stressed and more in tuned and more present. I took up meditation at a young age. So that was something I've always thought was amazing for me, stretching, uh, getting all the stagnant energy out of your body that's just sitting there that causes all of that pain and heaviness and really just removing that and pushing it out for new energy to come in wow. to help you with your energy in everyday life, not only with your kids, but just with like the daily tasks you need to do as well. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Where'd you learn that? I was a bookworm. So when I uh, found out about chakras and I'm very spiritual. So I think that it was my spiritual side that really took a big hold. I have huge faith. And recently I did start accepting God back into my life. I've had a rough relationship with the faith of God. And now I understand it never really was about God. It was more about myself just believing that there is something out there that is helping us and giving us energy and letting us know that we are not alone. Even if we feel 10,000 leagues under the sea, we are not alone. There is a mother and father out there at 3 a.m. crying with you somewhere in the world. Wow. You're an old soul, huh? (laughs) I've gotten that quite a bit. (laughs) Well, I'm happy that you found that, that stream of energy, love, support, what have you, because without that, I don't know what somebody else would do. I mean, what do you say to somebody out there that's alone, that's struggling, that doesn't have a support system, they don't have a faith, they don't know how they're going to make it through the day, they love their kid? What do you say to them? Honestly, the best thing I could say to someone like that is to know that they're doing the best they can, that they're there, they're still with their kids. They could easily just be like, listen, I can't do this anymore, but they are, you are. Anyone who's listening right now, you are doing it. And you need to know that that shows strength in itself, that you're not giving up. You're there, you're present. Even if you feel the utmost turmoil inside, you wanna break apart, your insides are screaming, that that's all a part of healing process. Right. And I believe a lot of our struggles raising our kids is with our own traumas from our childhood, from the things that before kids that happened to us. And we're really, really trying not to let our kids down in the same ways that our parents or whoever was our caregivers at the time may have done, Mm -hmm. you know, and 
it also like I never like to blame anyone. I believe that like it's a lot of generational stuff, right? Their mother did this, so they did that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just recognizing and waking up to the patterns of uh and breaking those generational cycles and just trying to do better. Yeah. What really can do, right? I was listening to Wayne Dyer talk the other day and he was talking about these memes that we have all kinds of memes in ways that we grew up thinking things were supposed to be, you know, I mean, everything from, I was raised in a very Italian family and they would just feed me, feed me food was love, (laughs) you know, and I I was a hundred pounds overweight in ninth grade. And my mom would tell me that you're just big boned. One day I lost all the weight and I was like, wait a second. Like, I'm not bigger because I'm big boned. I'm bigger because I ate a lot of food. There's really delicious food though. There is, there is. I'm just saying there's all of these, you know, somebody stood up in that same conversation and they said that they're struggling with stress and overwhelm. And he said, what's that? He said, go bring me a bucket of stress and overwhelm. And it's like, stress is, we've made that up, right? In a sense, I do agree with you that it really is, mind over matter and i believe too many people let the external things get inside of themselves it's understanding the difference from what is external what we can't control and what we can control and like you look at it as a plate you know and you have all these things piling up on this plate what i do is i subtract the things i can't control and i only focus on the things i can control And that's how I love myself, how I love others, how I care for myself, mental health wise, like mental health is so important. Taking that time for yourself is so important. Mm -hmm. Like whether it's an Epsom salt bath or going for a walk, if you can get a friend to come over or a family member to come over for 20 minutes, even doesn't even have to be long, but for like, I'm very fortunate with the resources here for my son because I have respite workers that can come in. I can get that sleep. It's also very difficult to keep a respite worker though. So I've had the same experience, but boy, it's unbelievable to have that kind of support. So parents, if you're listening out there and you need support, look into the respite in your area, find the organization that has resources. Um, The resources are out there to be used for your benefit, for your help. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. That's been a big struggle of mine is that I never wanted to ask for help. So I dedicated this year to ask for help, to be okay with accepting help. That's great. The self-care that you're talking about, were you doing that consistently throughout the last few years or when it got dark, was the self-care missing from your formula? The self-care definitely was missing for big amounts of time. I'd say even months. Like I believe what really got me through was staying in contact with my friends and family, with the ones that truly loved me. And I knew they would always be there for me and not judge me. My sisters being big supporters in my life that would always answer the call, you know, whenever I needed them day or night. So that's awesome. It's easy to isolate. It is. And you get carried away and you slip and you're like, 
where am I? Like, what am I doing? And it's kind of like highs and lows constantly every day. It seems to change, but just knowing that if you hit rock bottom, you can only go up from there. And the other thing about rock bottom that I like that I've heard recently is rock bottom is any place that you turn and go the other way from. So you don't have to bring in SWAT teams and drug addictions and gangbangers like I did in my story. I had three very, very, very dark years. And I remember the time when it switched and nothing externally in my life changed. It was like a day where it was like magical. I just read all the right things. It was all coming to this sort of knowledge that I was getting. And then I realized I didn't have to be suffering as bad as I was. It didn't have to be that hard. It's been a journey building the life plan and system and Mm -hmm. reminding positive self-talk and changing the way I think about myself and things like that. What does a difficult day in your house look like when kind of the challenges of your children are flaring? Just to get an idea of what your life looks like on a hard day. I will be honest. When things get very, very dark for me, I do turn to substances. I've been exposed to that my whole life uh, through both sides of my family. So it was, it's, it's been a coping mechanism, even before kids. I do have the occasional drink. And I know when I'm getting really bad is when I drink every day, you know, but just knowing that that doesn't make you a bad person to have a few drinks, but it's also not the best way to cope. It's not the best way. It shouldn't be the first thing that pops into your head at all, but It's okay to accept those thoughts. It's okay to acknowledge them and let them be there. And even if you have a few at the end of the night, that does not make you a bad parent. I appreciate you sharing that. It's something that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And it's something that a lot of people are doing. Yes. Under the, yes. Very like closet drinking. Yeah. And everybody has to kind of decide for themselves. Mm Mm-hmm where they stand with it. Is it a way to unwind or, or have you crossed that line where you're, you know, you're totally out of control and the ism part of it or whatever is really having negative consequences. I believe it's a pattern too, right? I believe that you think in your mind that it's going to be different. If you have this drink again, you think it, okay, I can have one drink and that's it. But then one turns into into two and two turns into seven. And you're like, the next day, your head hurts, body aches, you're sweating. Yeah. Crap, I did it again. How can we do that again? Yeah. And we beat ourselves up. And and then when we beat ourselves up and make ourselves feel so horrible inside, we just want to do it more. And it's Mm -hmm. just acknowledging that, like, we don't need to be so hard on ourselves. We are only human at the end of the day. And we are not only parents, we are humans first, right? And and showing ourselves a lot of self-love and self-compassion goes a long way. I'll put a shout out for the 12-step things out, communities out there for a couple of reasons. One is, well, first of all, people don't go to 12-step groups 
when they're riding high, right? It's not a place that people grew up wanting to be a part of. My experience is that once you get over that first hurdle and you open the door, there's a community of people that are there to support you, which is something that I think a lot of special needs, parents with special needs kids need. The second thing is, it's only the first step that deals with the substance. The rest of the steps, two through 12, are just about living. It's just about living. It's And it helped me to stop feeling sorry for myself. I was, self-pity was something that was keeping me stuck. And for me, the 12 steps helped me out of that. So I just put a shout out there, but you know, everybody has to decide for themselves where they're at. I just think yeah. it's good for people to know that it's out there and it's in a lot of places in the world. And mm-hmm. if someone's struggling, check it out, right? The people, you know, just check it out. You don't have to get a tattoo the day you show up. <laughs> you know, um, so I appreciate you bringing that up. And I, I know it's a coping mechanism that I've used. That's how it goes. So tell me, like your four-year-old, what are some symptoms that are difficult to deal with that are like a part of what you believe his unique needs are? I believe the communication is the hardest part. I wouldn't say nonverbal, and I'm still learning about all of this, right? But I think it's more, because he does speak, but he speaks in echolalia. He speaks in mimicking. And anyone who doesn't know what echolalia is, he could say something from like a week ago and you're thinking, oh, he's, he's talking. He's actually saying a sentence, but, and then you realize, no, that's echolalia still, which is just hearing things that someone else is saying. And it could be Uh anything at any point of time. And mimicking is kind of similar. He's been doing a lot of mimicking the last two weeks. If I say juice, he says juice type of thing. But I feel like I'm wandering off a little bit. The, no, the que- I, this question there was... No, but I want to know how his unique needs manifest in your household, you know? And that's definitely, yes. that's that's what I wanted to hear. Okay, uh, yes, yes. So the, yeah, the communication is the biggest part. The guessing is very stressful at times. I just, I have to step back and say, listen, Maximus, mommy doesn't understand what you want or what you need, you need to show me. And I usually talk a little bit less punctuation, I'll say less words for him, for it to kind of absorb in his brain better. Mm -hmm. So I'll be like, mommy doesn't know. What does Max want? You know, he usually always just wants a snack or juice. Juice is the biggest thing lately. I've been trying to cut back on high sugary, things I feel that kind of brings them into a you know he he has no emotional regulation that's another big one to where he could cry laugh and get really angry in within a minute mm-hmm. so it, it's just recognizing those things and working with him to self-regulate and the breathing I do with him sometimes when he's just so overwhelmed I'll just hug him and I'll just breathe and he'll start mimicking my breaths or he'll start breathing with me slowly. Nice. So that's been a big one to help him self-regulate. Nice. You said that you're still waiting for like the official diagnosis, but it sounds like you do have some early intervention happening. Is that correct? And Yes. 
Yes, I do. I have about five different support workers for him right now. His first support worker was a developmental worker and she's been amazing. She's been helping me with um, rides to and from daycare because I do not have a vehicle right now. Nice. And then along with his speech therapist, she goes to the daycare and she will do little assessments to see where he's at, to see if he's progressing. There's also his occupational therapist and an occupational therapist, again, still learning. And it's, it's, it could be overwhelming for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I'm saying this all at once. So they, they all specify in different things, different parts of his brain to help his overall development. So the, the occupational therapist is to help him with resources say as, such as weighted blanket, a fan for white noise to help him sleep. He really struggles with sleep. So, and we've moved around a lot and I believe he's regressed every time we move and his sleep is just erratic. It's all over the place. He'll either be up all night, sleep all day. And, but routine is so important. Also very difficult. I'm not a routine kind of person. So I struggle with keeping him in a routine. Are you getting sleep? No, <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah. I actually took a nap right before this. Took and about an hour nap. That's brutal. I remember the no sleep phase. It lasted for years. It has I had been on medication to get him to sleep. He would just scream all night. Yeah, that sounds very, very rough. I did have my son on melatonin, but it was counteractive. It was doing wow. the opposite. Wow. So I just took it away completely. I did that one time. I we were taking we were going to Europe and uh and I brought Benadryl on the plane and I gave my son Benadryl and he had the I didn't even know about the reverse effect was possible. <laughs> oh, no. And he was freaking out for nine hours on oh, the plane. Oh, Everybody, it was just crazy. But now I know that there are some people don't react the same way. Yeah. So the no sleep thing, I mean, that's really serious deal. Sleep deprivation is no joke. Yeah. It is no joke. That's really a big deal. The last two weeks I had felt kind of in a zombie mode where, and I'll admit my house is a disaster right now. You're seeing one little portion. You're seeing the clean, you're seeing the cleanest portion of my house right now. Yeah. It's if I were to turn the camera, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, it's it's uh, definitely a lot of disorganization, and it it kind of it it hurts me a little bit because I know my son thrives on it being organized and not being so messy. But they just go, they go and go and go, and I don't even realize. I don't think they even realize how big of a mess they make every day. Yeah, from day to day. So I'm kind of just doing what I can. Yeah, and. Even like uh, my sister is supposed to come here next week just to help me so I can get some sleep. And yeah, she's a crazy good organizer. So I'm really excited. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I had the same experience with the cleaning. I would really clean because it made me feel like I was a better parent if it was clean, but I wasn't spending time with my kids. Yeah. I wasn't being a better parent. I was just like this facade. So then I had to, you know, just let it go and realize that it doesn't matter if there's dishes there. Bless the mess. Yeah, bless the mess. I love that. Yes. I love that. 
So what's something you're excited about? Is there any new developments for your son? What's going well? There was a psychological evaluation and I've been so, so overwhelmed with appointments and whatnot that I missed the appointment to hear about it. So I wish I could tell you more about what happened in that session. Being in the session, I didn't think it went very well. They put him in a room with a complete stranger and he wasn't interacting with her at all. Like he wasn't having it. So it was more the cognitive side where he couldn't, that was, it was supposed to be a three hour session and it was only 45 minutes. Was this moving towards the diagnosis or was this for something? It was to help. Yes, it was to help push forward a diagnosis. There's also a doctor that comes to this town every three to four months to help with an official diagnosis. I'm waiting for him. I think, I believe his name is Dr. Gordikin. Don't quote me on that. I believe that's his name. All right. Yeah, he helps with, just pushing those diagnoses for children that just truly need those extra resources and that extra support to get the things that will help them thrive in their development. Yeah. To anybody listening, yourself, myself, I want to encourage everybody just to like do the best you can, try and get clarity around setting less goals than more goals so that you can see yourself complete some of them and then not be so hard on ourselves. I mean, there's been days where I thought I killed it. And then I get a message saying I missed their yearly IEP, you know, like the big meeting. And I'm like, how is this possible? I was just like feeling okay about life. And now I miss like, the mo- you know, it makes me look terrible and all of all of all of And those were, those were the rabbit holes that I would jump down that would destroy my life. That would make me not as good of a parent. Like we have to get good at not, we have to figure out how not to let the judgments of other people affect us. hundred percent. And I think that's the biggest thing, the eyes looking in that truly won't ever understand. The comparing, all that stuff is just- Comparing and judging, two of the worst things I believe that a, a human could do. So we do like something called the lightning round. It's just to get some more of your thoughts and opinions and experience. And you kind of give a one word to one sentence answer to the questions. Are you up for it? Of hundred. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. What's the best advice you've received? To breathe, believe it or not. To breathe, mindful breathing. What online course or just any course topic would you sign up for today if it was available? A parenting class. Um, On just basic parenting or specifically for raising special needs? Specifically for raising special needs, yes. Which I actually had one this past month and it didn't didn't work out, unfortunately. Didn't do anything? Yeah. I'll follow up with you because I created a program I want to do with a group of people, you know, for free to like- Oh, wonderful. get, Get the feedback you know, see if it really creates positive impact. So I'll follow up with you, but it's called 35 to life. And it's 35 Mm -hmm. actions that we can take in our life. And a lot of it, it's not like totally new things, but I mean, it's having 
not many, but goals for the month, the quarter, the year for, and then break it back to the day. It's about, you know, having a little morning routine. It's about having just all the things that like help me out of my dark place and help me be the best parent I can be. And then having it in a system and creating accountability with other people. So I'll follow follow up with you and see if you're interested in participating when it's ready to go. And for any listeners out there, if you're interested, just write into the show and you can be part of that first run that won't cost you more than your time and effort. (laughs) All right, back to the questions. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? Mm -hmm. I would say meditation music. Like to unwind, are you talking about Anything. for ourselves? Or that's just... a great recommendation. I think that would be my top one to offer. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that saved me. I mean, it's kind of rewiring my brain in a way that's making something that wasn't possible possible. Yes. That's 100%. my experience. What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well being? Honestly, exercising, exercising more sweating out all those toxins and buildup of stress, anxiety, worry, fear, shame, all of it. Yeah. Exercise really does wonders. So I used to, I don't anymore. And I can just see the, the difference. And, uh, and hopefully sleep too. Yes. Sleep out there for you. Oh, yeah. Probably sleep first to be honest. Yeah. What's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it? Getting a record deal. I don't know why I said that, but I'm I'm a singer. I play a little guitar. I do. I write a lot. So I'm I'm constantly rhyming in my head. Awesome. Yeah. I'd love to talk more about that sometime. Maybe on our maybe on the next uh, conversation. Yeah. Do you have a favorite product that you use for yourself or your child that you just love and couldn't live without? Oh gosh. For him, sensory toys. I think those were the most amazing things invented. Anyone in particular that he stands out? Letters and numbers. He loves spelling. The biggest word he spelt was universal. Whoa. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Well, I am super excited to connect with you. I'm excited to hear your story. My goal is that this is just the first of many conversations and that we stay connected and we can share our journeys together, you know, between the two of us, but also the group of parents in Naked Parent Nation, because I believe that we're stronger together than alone. So just in what we've talked about or just anything that's on your heart, what do you say to the listeners out there in closing? I would say to never give up on yourself, that every day, even if you think that you failed, you got through it, and that makes you so unique and strong and brave. Mm, That's so sweet. I wanna thank you for being on the show. I want you to know that you really inspired me today. I, I know you're not supposed to bring up age, but I can't believe how young you are and how wise you are and Your kids are so lucky to have such an amazing mom who's putting the kind of effort that you're putting in to give them the best life possible. And I believe that the fruits of your labor are 
just starting to show themselves. And I hope you see more and more of that as you move forward. And thank I want to so thank you for taking the time. I was very happy to be here. Okay. Well, I'll stay connected and we'll touch base sooner than later. Okay. Sounds great, Chad. Thanks, you Katie. You too. Bye. Bye. This concludes our show for today, and I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long. So long.